You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, before we get started with today's game, just wanted to tell you that we are excited to take part in the second edition of the best trivia calendar in the history of the world. That's right, our friends Jonathan Oakes from Oaks Media Group and Katie Sikelski over at The Inkling have invited us triviality to submit one week full of questions for the 2021 everyday q a trivia calendar if you would like to order this calendar you can go to triviacalendar.net and once you get it in the mail you will see one week full of questions in our triviality style we hope that you figure out what those questions are and maybe try to figure out which hosts wrote them but if you'd like to order that calendar which we very much encourage please go to triviacalendar.net and thank you once again to katie and jonathan for including us this year Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I'm joined here by Jen. Jen? (laughs) Who's Jen? Jeff That's and Ken. That's their celebrity married name, That's Ken. their celebrity married name. That was an accident, but it also makes sense. So uh, introducing Jen, Jeff, and Ken. Let's start with uh, Ken. How are you today? Uh, pretty good. A little tired. Uh, last night at about 9 o'clock, I had a ring on my doorbell. And uh, I usually don't have visitors, so I pe- pe- uh, peeked out to see who it was. A lady locked herself out of the building, so I let her in. And again... 11.15, same lady, rings my doorbell again, and then again today at uh, 10.15. So I'm a little tired. It was the same person every time? Same person, three times it remind, in 12 hours. It reminds me of that video. I don't know if you've seen it. I can't remember if I've read that it was staged or not, but there was the uh, the person going to the gas station, and they kept pulling to the wrong side where their gas cap was, and they did yes, it like four. Yes, I did see that. It was great. Yes. But this lady definitely met the kaleidoscope of my personality. The first time, I was like all cheerful and stuff, and then this morning, she met uh, Morning Ken, and that's a different story entirely. So, um, Well, uh, Matt is not here um, it was really weird. So I was working on my construction site and uh, he was supposed to come have coffee with me and he didn't. And um, I had to go over to his house in Boston and knocked on the front door and there was just a note there that said, I got to go see about a grill. So he really wants to barbecue. So 
good for him. Um, so hopefully we'll see how what that turns into. Um, but, and what movie is that from? Uh, that's from uh, Good Matt Hunting. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, in place of Matt, we have some uh, very special guests. Uh, they're both Intercontinental Champions on Patreon, uh, which we appreciate uh, their support. And uh, they're coming to us from Ohio. That's Drew McClurg and Ryan Miltner. How's it going, guys? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, and um, and yeah, just anything you want to tell us is, is good. It'll be on the air, but as long as it is legally okay, since one of you is a lawyer, then it's all right. <laughs> yeah, so I um, currently am a cook or a man, kitchen manager at a local brewery in the area um, in charge of all kinds of people. They, I actually had to run in this morning and teach them how to make omelets because no one in the kitchen today knew how to make omelets. I'm usually the omelet guy. So, All right. Yeah, so uh, I'm Ryan Miltner. Uh, I'm an attorney uh, most of the time. Um, Drew and I are on a pub trivia team together at the brewery where he now works. Uh, we're both graduates from the University of Toledo, although I think I graduated about the time uh, Drew came into existence. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a bit of an age gap, but we have a couple things in common, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, to today's game. Thanks for having us on. Ryan, uh, University of Toledo, is that the Rockets? Is that what they're known by? They are the Rockets. Yep. Yeah. I was going to try to sound like I knew that just from prior knowledge, but I had to, I had to Google it. I was just curious. Um, cause I, I like knowing what other mascots are. Was there a mascot or is it just, yep. There's two, there's Rocky and Roxy. I was hoping it was either Roxy or Rocky and I, I'm definitely, uh, happy now. So, uh, uh, and if you want some fun, Neil, you, you go ahead and Google, uh, Rocky, the rocket circa 1993. That's a heck of a costume. <laughs> yeah, Rocky, <that's>... the rocket, <laughs> 1993. And, uh, it's and th- no brownie the elf <laughs> it is no brownie the elf you're correct and brownie is here uh how are you brownie oh you know just a little tired too <laughs> he also had a strange person uh ringing his doorbell um okay so i i'll have to look up this later the rocky the rocket 1993 because all i'm getting is pictures of uh dogs at the vet and uh it's definitely not the type of rocket i wanted to look at so um okay <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, thank you very much. Please. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for joining us. As Bob Barker says, spade and new to your pets. Uh, I wrote today's game, uh, which is uh, the first in in a while. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I tried not to make it entertainment heavy. So it's not really entertainment heavy, except for the swing rounds. We'll see how that goes. But Jeff and Ken are going to be a team. And uh, Ryan and Drew are going to be a team. So uh, Ryan, Drew, what is your team name? Uh, yeah, we're going to go with, uh, legality. See if we can pronounce that a few times. Legality. I like it. Uh, as we said before we recorded, uh, Ryan is a lawyer and he is, uh, one of many on our legal counsel that we are, uh, honored to have, uh, behind us. So thank you very much for, you know, helping us out in a jam. Um, and Ken and Jeff, what's your team name? Well, since we're both exhausted and usually when I'm exhausted, I revert to, uh, Zen Ken which is the, uh, the gut reaction uh, version of myself that just makes quick decisions based on gut. Uh, but today we're going to hit our stride. So we're going to be the Zeniths. The Zeniths. Uh, I think I had one of those TVs once. Uh, great team name, though. Uh, all right. Uh, let's throw it to the rules guy and uh, hear who he is today, I suppose. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. 
at the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream rise to the top, oh yeah. Uh, all right, everyone, uh, let's get started. I wrote this game. Let's see how it goes. Question one. Listeners might say it would be a complete failure if you couldn't name this typical Italian style of bottle with a round body or bottom that partially or completely is covered with a close-fitting straw basket. So, Jeff, I, I can, like, picture what he's talking about, but I have no idea what that's called. Do you have any idea? Yeah. No, right. same. I know I know what it looks like, but I couldn't tell you the name. All right, so we're we're at a blank here, so uh, it's up to you guys to come up with an answer because we don't have one. So we've we've uh, we think we know um, at least as long as the style of wine is the same as the name of the bottle, we're gonna go with a Chianti bottle. All right, and Jeff and Ken, you are tapping. Yes, unfortunately, good start today. All right, so uh, Chianti wasn't what I was looking for, um, but I, I'm going to give you guys points for that because uh, Chiantis often do come in this type of bottle. But the clue there was uh, listeners might say it would be a complete failure because this type of bottle is called a fiasco. Okay. So thank you to Colleen for that, uh, teaching me that fact. Question two. Of the four major American sports, one player has won more regular season MVP awards than any other player. For 10 points, name that player. And for a bonus five points, name any one of the MVPs from the other sports who top their respective leagues. All right, I think we've got answers here. All right, so Ryan and Drew are locked in. Ken and Jeff, feel free to talk out loud. Okay, so uh, we were just kind of shooting some names back and forth. Uh, Jeff says that Kareem is the NBA leader um, with six. Um, I think probably Gretzky is the number one. As for baseball, I would have no idea. And same for uh, football, I have no idea. So um, I, I would go with yeah, Gretzky as the number one. I think the NFL know. is much more variant than that. So I don't right. think there's that many MVPs. So do you want to go NFL with uh, players? You want to go with Gretzky for for the number one slot, and then you can fill in the rest. So we'll go with Kareem for the bonus, Ken. Okay, so Gretzky and uh, Kareem for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the uh, bonus. All right, legality. What about you guys? Okay, so we thought uh, Gretzky for the most, and then we were kind of figuring um, the others, like you guys said, you're not sure about baseball and um, football. We were kind of the same thing. They kind of tend to fluctuate with maybe one year, and then there was a gap year between, and we couldn't figure those out. But for um, baseball, we're going to try with Barry Bonds, and for basketball, we said Jordan, but we don't think that's right. Okay, uh, so both teams' official answer was Gretzky for the number one, and then we had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Barry Bonds uh, for the bonus, and everyone's getting 15 points. That's great. So uh, Gretzky has the most with nine in the NHL, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with six, the most in the NBA, Barry Bonds with seven in the MLB, and then the NFL Peyton Manning with five. And now he sells, uh, what is it, insurance? He sells insurance. And it's on your side. Yep, he sells insurance and then pegs kids with footballs in playgrounds. So yeah, great, great job, everyone. <laughs> Points all around. Uh, speaking of college, Ryan, uh, you're talking about University of Toledo. I've said this on the show before, but uh, at Iowa, I used to walk down the block and get a medium Papa John's cheese pizza and uh, chicken tenders and then just kind of veg out, as Jeff said, he was comatose. And then I just watch movies. So um, that's college Neil for you. Neil loves his tendies. I, I do love my tendies. That's right. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, this next question uh, is number three. 
What now famous shipmaster's appendage became the contributory cause of war between the Kingdom of Great Britain and the Kingdom of Spain in 1739? And for the record, I will accept either the name of the war or the particular appendage. Okay, we're locked in over here. Jeff, I have no idea on this one, to be honest. I've not heard of this. No, nothing's so, ringing a bell. Captain Willis's Willie. <laughs> Captain Willis's Willie? Yeah, that's that's it. Okay. That's the one. All right. Uh, that's your that's your guess. Uh, Ryan and Drew? So we're actually tapping. Uh, I feel like it's something I maybe heard on misinformation or something like that, but I couldn't. It's like right on tip my tongue, but I couldn't pull it off. All right. Yeah, I was going to go with Captain Willis's Willie, but uh, I talked him out of it. Yeah. Our favorite captain and our favorite Willie, but unfortunately the wrong answer. Uh, but uh, the correct answer is Jenkins Ear or the War of Jenkins Ear. So something to look up there. Uh, it was kind of fascinating. Uh, All right. Yeah. I have never heard of that. Trying to do non-entertainment here. Uh, okay. The next question here. Question four. Eunice Kathleen Wayman was a singer-songwriter and civil rights activist who certainly put a spell on the music industry with her memorable stage presence, which earned her the title The High Priestess of Soul. By what stage name was she better known by? Okay, we are locked in. Jeff, any guesses? Right off the bat. So, he said something about putting a spell. Yeah, put a spell on you. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, a, that's obviously a song lyric reference. Yeah. I priestess. Um, what about, what do you know about, uh, mama Cass? Mama Cass. I don't think that's her. Cause I think her name was, uh, Cass. So I don't think her name was Eunice. Mm. Is it like um, one of those Peggy Margaret things? <laughs> no, I think this is somebody who like kind of maybe changed their name a little bit or I'm drawing a total blank here, dude. All right, we'll lock in with Mama Cass. Okay, Mama Cass for Zeniths. And how about you, Legality? Um, so I put a spell on you as I think the clue I picked up on. I'm thinking that's Nina Simone. The, the full name, given name, didn't do much for me, but, but Nina Simone sounds right to us. And that's going to be 10 points to Legality. It was Nina Simone. And uh, my favorite song of hers, one of her most famous and probably most covered, Feeling Good. All right. Question five today is going to be a listener submitted question. Haven't done one of these in a while, but I appreciate everyone who wrote in. This one comes from Steve Gilman in Atlanta, Georgia. So thank you, Steve, for your question. What country has the oldest continually existing unchanged flag? And I believe they even Jeff. believe they even got a Guinness World Record for it. I think I have an idea. I'm just in with Jeff's vague idea. All right, so feel free to talk. Legality. Dexology is not my forte. Yeah, and I, I think so. Most of the world power type countries that might come to mind, most have had uh, huge governmental shifts uh, in the past two centuries. And, and you know, so, uh, you know, Russia, for instance, or China, uh, those flags have obviously changed. Um uh, I wonder if it's France. I don't know how long France's flag has been unchanged. Um, but it's simple, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to go with France. Yeah, I'll go. Let's go with France. We'll lock in with that. I think what he's looking for here, Ken, is Denmark. 
because I think I think Scotland's saltire is older, but that's not a country generally speaking. That's usually lumped in with like Great Britain. But I'm pretty sure the Kingdom of Denmark adopted theirs like pretty pretty long time ago. Um, everything else is pretty recent, like 1800s or newer. So okay, so Denmark for zeniths and France for legality. Uh, well, it is known as the Danenbrog for the cloth of the Danes. The answer is Denmark from 1370. So points to the Zeniths there. Good job, Jeff. All right. Question number six. Softballer Jenny Finch famously struck out this MLB superstar who was a Cardinal, then an Angel, and began his career with eight straight 30-homer, 100 RBI seasons. All right. We're locked in. The only Cardinal that comes to mind that was a big home run hitter was uh, Mark McGuire. Yeah, either that or Albert Pujols. Um, Which do you think? I think I think Mark McGuire is a good. Yeah, I like Mark McGuire, but I think Jenny Finch is younger. That's the only thing keeping okay. me from that. Okay. Well, we could go for Pujols then, if you want. Okay, let's go with Albert Pujols. Uh, McGuire started out with the Oakland A's and then went to the Cardinals, but Pujols started with the Cardinals and then uh, moved over to the Angels. So we're going to agree and go with Albert Pujols. And uh, Pujols is correct. Ten points for both teams. It's a great video. Uh, She she really smoked some fastballs right past him. Good good teamwork. All right. Uh, I do remember Mark McGuire. He was a a favorite of mine. We used to have these, these, not really wiffle balls, but it was a set of, um, they were kind of like foam baseballs that you would play in the backyard. And each pitcher or hitter had their own. So there was like a Mark McGuire bat. There was a Randy Johnson ball, a Barry Bonds bat. Um, And we used to hit them like into neighbor's yards and they would mysteriously disappear, which now as an older man, I realize that the, the people just kept them out of spite, but um, I haven't become that yet. <laughs> you know, I've been working on a lot, but I just can't seem to get my arms as big as his. I wonder what his secret was. <laughs> I think it's his, his will to succeed, right? I mean, it's just his sheer will. That's right. All right. Uh, question number seven. What alliterative personal identification consists of an area number, group number, and serial number? And this is me, for the record, trying to write shorter questions because I get so much from it. So what alliterative personal identification consists of an area number, group number, and serial number? Oh, I'm pretty sure we're good. Yeah, that looks good to me, Ken. Yeah, so um, I didn't realize um, the how the numbers were grouped, but... I have noticed uh, people from the same geographic area and the same general uh, year or years of birth tend to have similar numbers. Um, And social security sounds kind of alliterative to me. So we're going to go with social security number. Okay. And Zeniths? Yep. We said the same thing. Just like Ryan said, I was doing research and found it interesting that the first three numbers of a social security number are your area. And I kind of did a deep dive from there. And the answer is social security number. Uh, And because you both answered correctly, um, I need your social security number. So please text those to me right now. I'll uh, I'll post mine to the crop so everybody can find it there. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's that's a team player right there. All right. uh, Moving right along to question eight. My mom bought me a brand new book titled Memoirs and Misinformation written by this actor, who had one hell of a 1994, including a film that had an on-screen credit, and introducing Cameron Diaz. Who is that actor and author? I think I know Ken. Okay. 
we'll, we'll look in. Okay, so we're trying to, to pick up the clues in the question here. Yeah. Uh, but but I think I saw that this person had recently written a book uh, and did an interview about it. And I think in the interview, uh, he was talking about a relationship with another actress um, and its impact that she had on his life. Mm-hmm. So if I'm if my memory serves, um, Cameron Diaz, one of her first films, uh, came out about 1994, um, and it would be The Mask, and I'm gonna, th- I think it's Jim Carrey. Yeah, I would agree. So we're gonna go with Jim Carrey. Yep. The other day, uh, I was hanging out on Jeff's porch doing some social distanced uh, outside hangouts, and uh, he walked outside. He said, "What are you reading on your phone?" I said, "Just some soft news, something about Jim Carrey and Re- Renee Zellweger." So yeah, it is Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is correct. Yep. Uh, And I'm excited to read this book. Uh, There's actually a fascinating interview he just did with Jimmy Fallon, uh, where apparently he was in Hawaii uh, when they had sort of that uh, missile blunder where they they pressed the wrong button and sent out the alert that missiles were coming for Hawaii and were going to hit. Um, And uh, his assistant at the time called him and said, "Uh, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but there are missiles coming uh, in 10 minutes and they're going to hit Hawaii. I'm so sorry. And apparently he kind of looked out on the ocean and uh, reflected on his entire life and thought that was it, but uh, pretty heavy. But yeah, I'm excited to read this book, uh, and it is Jim Carrey. And talk about 1994, by the way, too. Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber all in the same year. It's pretty insane. Okay. Uh, number Already n- then. Oh, yeah. Already then is correct. Let's, let's move on to the next one. Uh, all right. Number nine. In turn-of-the-century New York, This three-word Manhattan location was the home of the music publishing industry and breeding ground for creative songwriters like Irving Berlin. Ken, was he the the owner of the music box? I have no idea. I really don't know on this one. That's my guess. We can go with the music box theater. All right. Legality? Okay, so I got this because when I was a freshman at Toledo, I had to take History of Jazz. And we believe it's the Tin Can Alley. Tin Pan Alley. Tin Pan Alley, yeah. All right. Uh, well, um, Irving Berlin, uh, famous songwriter. There are many other famous songwriters, Gershwin and whatnot, uh, that sort of lived and uh, created in this area. Uh, the name is kind of debated about where it came from. Some people attribute it to the fact that uh, uh, poorly tuned pianos banging away in the middle of the street uh, sounded like tin pans. So it is Tin Pan Alley. Correct. Good job, guys. Thank you. Required courses come into uh, they come into use from time to time. Yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating. If you have a chance to look it up, if you're a fan of jazz or any sort of songwriting, um, so many great people uh, and future, I mean, award winners and and uh, and whatnot, artists all in the same area. It would have been pretty cool. All right, uh, number ten. Uh, I'd love of- to be in Paris in the twenties. <laughs> wow, Paris is so beautiful in the rain. Wonderful movie. Just just watched it recently again. All right, number ten. Uh, to end the first round. Thinking about the periodic table, as I often do, mostly in the middle of the night in heat sweats, I was struck by how many elements belong to a particular letter. My question to both of you is which letter of the alphabet has the most elemental names on the periodic table? And for five bonus points, if you can name the letter with the second most elements. So you're asking what letter appears the most times? Yes, and for five bonus points, what letter appears the second most times? And this would be first and second letters, or third in some cases? Uh, so whatever the first letter of the element is would be the, the letter I'm looking for, yeah. 
Yeah, my my gut says it's T for one and A for two, but I'm <clears throat> just trying to make sure like there's some weird H ones that I'm not missing. And yeah, I was thinking it H, comes up with like, H two is probably pretty. Close. Yeah, because it comes up with like hafnium, but it also comes up with like uh, mercury. You know what I mean? So not yeah. just the ones you would think. Yeah. Yeah, let's go T and then A. I didn't write them all out, but um, that's my gut. All right, Neil, we're going T and A. I would expect nothing less. Okay, T and A for uh, Team Zeniths and Legality. Okay, so um, it's been a while since I've really looked at a periodic table. I have one in my basement hanging up, but unfortunately it's a periodic table of alternative music and its evolution, so that's of no help here. (laughs) Um, So we went through, we're thinking, uh, we came up with a number of A's, um, a number of H's, uh, for whatever reason, you know, we went through um, M, we, we think could be one of them. Um, and then I'm thinking way back to high school chemistry. And so a number of the uh, highest numbered elements uh, had, I think, probably temporary names at the time. I'm no scientist, but they all began with U. And there were probably five or six at the end. Then you have uranium and a few others. So um, we're going to go with M. And U. Okay, so uh, we got TNA from the Zenths and MU from Legality. Uh, Jeff, I know you were probably trying to think of uh, the Triple H element, Hunter Hearst Helmsium, um, but uh, the correct answer, uh, unfortunately, is not going to get you guys any points. Um, number one with 12 is the letter C, featuring uh, favorites like Cobalt, Copper, and Matt's favorite, Californium. And second is the letter T. So Jeff was there, just not as it wasn't the first. Uh, T has 11 right behind C with uh, C as favorite, titanium, and then uh, things like tantalum and tiger woodsium. So um, yeah, C has the most, T with the second most. I think you made a few of those up. Not, I'm not positive, but... I can't be positive either, but I think I was pretty close at least. All right. Well, after the first round, it looks like Team Zeniths has 55 points and Team Legality has 75 points uh, with a slight lead there. Uh, before we get into the swing round, just wanted to uh, tell everyone to join us over at The Crop. Ryan mentioned it. You can come hang out, uh, give comments on episodes, hear about uh, uh, episode uh, sign-up sheets and uh, different things that we're doing over there. So please join us over at The Crop or on Twitter and Instagram at TrivialityPod. All right, gentlemen. The swing round today is called Quarren Stream and Chill. Uh, so now that uh, streaming numbers are higher than ever due to lockdowns, quarantines, and stay-at-home orders, I'm going to give you a short description of programming and the streamer it is exclusively on with uh, a heavy nod to Netflix and a few clues for those of you who don't partake in these apps. And all I'm looking for is the title for five points. One question, I'm going to have you fill in the title, but every other answer is just a title. So these are titles on streaming apps across the board, but I'm hoping that the clues in there will help those who do not have those apps. Number one, Apple TV film adaptation of the 1955 nautical and war novel, The Good Shepherd, written by and retitled by its Academy Award winning star. Number two, based on a series of novels by Anne M. Martin, a group of young women in a Connecticut suburb band together to deal with themes such as illness, moving, and divorce in this Netflix original adaptation. Number three, a comedic film on Hulu that shares its name with a California desert resort city and stars Andy Samberg, Kristen Milioti, and J.K. Simmons who keep running into each other. Number four, on Netflix, 
A familiar children's imagination game has erupted into an obstacle course competition show and is like so hot right now. Number five. Amazon Prime reunites Project Runway stars Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn so they can make it work on what new fashion competition reality series they created and present. Number six. This Netflix film from Love and Basketball director Gina Prince-Bythewood stars Charlize Theron and is an Image Comics adaptation following a woman-led team of immortal warriors who have fought in every type of battle time has ever seen. Number seven. A movie sequel debuting on Peacock, subtitled Two, Lassie Come Home, is the second film version of what popular USA Network fan-favorite comedy series, most likely with a cameo from a pineapple. Number eight. Rebooted true crime and paranormal series that once called Robert Stack Host is now on Netflix, Sans Host, from Stranger Things executive producer Sean Levy. Number nine. Developed exclusively for HBO Max, this late-night talk show is a spin-off of a legendary series and features an equally legendary mononymous character behind the interview desk. Finish the title. The Not Too Late Show with... blank. And number 10. It might not be a reboot or an original, but this alliterative team-based quiz show popularized in the 90s with host David Ruprecht is currently showing 15 old episodes on Netflix, where you'll surely spot an abundance of frozen turkeys. All right, I'm going to give uh, both teams some time to go through these, and we will be back with our answers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. All the answers are locked in, so let's uh, hear what the teams came up with. Uh, number one, uh, I was looking for the film adaptation on Apple TV of the 1955 nautical and war novel The Good Shepherd, uh, Zeniths. So we believe this is the um, film that notably features our friend uh, Brian Smaller as a colorist, and that is Greyhound. And legality. Okay, so um, we've seen the ads for the movie, and we blanked well uh, i know it's something to do with submarines and in world war ii uh, groups of submarines called wolf pack so we knew it had something to do with wolf in the title i'm almost sure 
Yeah, we, we ultimately couldn't put something together. Uh, it's a Tom Hanks movie. We're, we're pretty sure of that. Uh, we think it's Joe versus the Snarling Angry Wolves. That is a movie I definitely would like to see, uh, but uh, no points there. But points to Zeniths uh, with Greyhound. Uh, as Ken said, our friend Brian Smaller was the colorist on that movie, uh, which is pretty exciting. So uh, if you want to look at his work, go to Instagram at Brian, uh, B-R-Y-A-N, Smaller, and uh, check it out. Uh, all right. Uh, number two, uh, this was a Netflix original adaptation. It's a series based on novels by Anne M. Martin. Zeniths, what did you have? Yeah, we didn't know if this was the correct answer, but we knew it was a series of novels. We guessed The Babysitter's Club. And legality? Okay, so um, we struggled with this one, too. We struggled with a lot of these questions, but um, thought about it, and Anne M. Martin rang a bell somewhere in the depths of my brain. And um, I remember my cousin Katie, in particular, was a big fan of this series of novels when they first came out. Um, and we also thought it was Babysitter's Club. And that would be points to both of you. That is correct. Okay, number three. Um, looking for the comedic film on Hulu starring Andy Samberg, uh, Kristen Milioti, and J.K. Simmons that is named after a California d- desert resort city. Zeniths. This one was especially frustrating because it's always on the front page of Hulu whenever I open it up. So I've read the name 20 times. Uh, but it was escaping me. But we settled on Palm Springs. Hoping that's right. Okay. And legality? Yeah, we, we were kind of in the same spot where we just kind of guessed on the city name, so we said Palm Springs. I'm glad the clue worked for you. That is correct, Palm Springs. Fun film if you want to check it out on Hulu. Uh, okay, number four. Uh, this is on Netflix, and it's a obstacle course competition show based on a familiar children's game, Zeniths. This is a game in which you can't really touch the floor. We think this is the floor is lava. And legality? Yeah, we. I almost mentioned Ultimate Tag, but then realized it was Floor is Lava. Floor is Lava is correct. All right. Uh, that's how we record all of our shows here when we are actually in the studio. Our, our feet never touch the ground because it's lava. Uh, number five, Amazon Prime uh, reuniting Project Runway stars Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn for a new fashion competition reality series, Zeniths. Uh, yep, this is Making the Cut. And Legality. Uh, we we didn't have this one. Uh, we threw out Fashion Police. All right. Uh, it wasn't Fashion Police, but it was making the cut. So points for Zeniths. Number six. Uh, this is a new Charlize Theron film on Netflix that uh, is getting a ton of downloads or views, I should say. Uh, and it's from Love and Basketball director Gina Prince-Bythewood uh, about uh, a woman-led team of immortal warriors. Zeniths. Yeah, this one was equally frustrating because I've read the title and I've seen the the promotional material on this a bunch of times but the title was just escaping me so we're just going to say uh, friendship is magic <laughs> that it is and uh, team legality uh, walked in the house the other day and uh, it was on it's the old guard the old guard is correct that is five points for legality all right uh, number seven uh, just watched this last night uh, it's a movie sequel on Peacock, uh, which just debuted, uh, subtitled Two, Lassie Come Home, based on what USA Network comedy series, Zeniths? We don't know too many USA Comedy Network series, uh, so we think this is Psych. All right, and legality. Yeah, uh, I got this right away. One of my favorite shows is Psych. That is correct, Psych. All right, uh, number eight. This is a rebooted true crime and paranormal series that used to have Robert Stack as a host, but the new version on Netflix has no host. Zeniths. Uh, we believe this is Unsolved Mysteries, which uh, one of the mysteries I think has already been solved thanks to some viewers. 
Ah, and uh, legality. So I remember sitting up, I think, on Wednesday nights it was, and watching the original with Robert Stack. And uh, remember in particular the D.B. Cooper episode. Uh, it's Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, points all around. And as Ken said, it's pretty cool. They have a tip line and website at the end. And uh, apparently they were getting flooded with with uh, anonymous tips. And uh, several of them uh, were working out. So uh, that's good to hear because some of those first few episodes are pretty heart-wrenching. So it'll be nice to get some closure there for sure. And uh, maybe right, one uh, of these no- days we'll solve the mystery of where is Matt? And is he a robot? Yeah, actually, maybe we should submit that to uh, Unsolved <laughs> Mysteries. <laughs> Uh, number nine, uh, developed exclusively for HBO Max. This is a late night talk show featuring a legendary mononymous character. And I needed you to fill in the blank. So it is the, the not too late show with, and, uh, who is the person that, uh, goes in that blank team Zenith? Well, you said mononymous, uh, but I think his first name is tickle me, right? Yes. I was going to say terrifying parents for possibly saying things that they misconstrued as bad words. We went Elmo. And... Uh, legality we also said elmo elmo is correct uh he is uh the newest late night host all right and uh number 10 uh might not be a reboot or an original but uh this alliterative team-based quiz show is on netflix at least the first 15 episodes uh with host david ruprecht team zenith uh the show known for going straight for the frozen turkey is uh, super supermarket sweep and legality yeah my sister who lives uh, in chicago actually sent me a text um late at night one evening and said i can't believe this is on and it's just as magical as it was when it originally aired it's supermarket sweep and supermarket sweep is correct uh i encourage all of you to watch the first episode if you have netflix um not only is it a fun reminder of the fashion of the 90s uh, but there's a great moment where uh, they're doing the fine, the big sweep, I think it's called, uh, at the end. And one of the competitors, uh, sort of this big burly guy uh, with his cart, and he's basically just stalking the other woman who is trying to get you know, her items. And he's just getting everything that she's getting right behind her or seeing what the clue is. And it's pretty funny. It's 90s game show at its best. So supermarket sweep. All right. Uh, well, Legality, you actually did a lot better than I think you thought you did. Uh, you picked up 40 points. And Team Zeniths picked up 45. Going into round two, it looks like Team Zeniths is at 100 even and Team Legality with 115. Round two, question one. If you walked into a cloning facility and saw two versions of Kiefer Sutherland's most famous TV character, one on your left and one on your right, according to the rules of the card game Euchre, which one of these clones is the more powerful clone according to in-game rules? Jeff, I know nothing about Euchre, so it's a 50-50 guess. Should I just make a guess? Mm-hmm. All right, we're locked in. We think it's the right bower. All right, and uh, Zeniths? We also said right. Okay, uh, well, uh, the cards uh, are known as right bower and left bower, and the right bower is the more powerful card, which is the jack of the trump suit or highest card in the game except the joker, so points all around. Uh, yeah, that one, uh, thank you to Misinformation for your entire episode on euchre is very interesting because i know nothing about it but i did after listening to it uh all right number two speaking of cards whether it's Penn and teller on a big stage or ricky jay's infamous close-up magic both these examples and every magician partakes in this 11 letter four syllable skill from the french for light of hand so originally when he's reading this question i was gonna say sleight of hand but uh 
I have no, I have no idea about this one, Jeff. So uh, I might need to tap. I don't really know magic uh, phrases. We're going down the sleight of hand route, uh, but we're we're drawing a blank on this one too. Um, no, so uh, you guys were both on the right track. Um, it does mean sleight of hand, or in French, literally, it means light of hand. But it's a phrase used in magic, uh, sort of how they practice or or the skill of sleight of hand, and it's called ledger de man. Uh, from the French. So L-E-G-E-R-D-E-M-A-I-N. Okay. Uh, number three, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient, Congressman and civil rights leader John Lewis tragically succumbed to his battle with pancreatic cancer yesterday, July 18th. Since 1987, he was a representative for the 5th Congressional District of what state? We're good, Ken. Right, we're, we're good as well. Uh, it's Georgia. And uh, Jeff and Ken? Yep, he represented the state of Georgia. Georgia is correct. Um, and uh, yeah, great man, great history, uh, his work. Uh, and all I have to say to that is cancer and vote. So there's your little sidebar for there. Okay, uh, number four. What slang turn of phrase to use the bathroom was derived from sailing ships in which the toilet area was at the bow of the ship and not, as I thought as a teenager, derived from a vulgar description of male anatomy. Ken, is this the head? Yeah, I guess, I guess so. It makes sense. We're locked in with hit the head. We also think that it is hit the head. Yeah. Um, I was uh, reading a book by my favorite author uh, called Bloodwork, which was turned into a Clint Eastwood movie. And in the book, he kept, sitting, uh, he kept saying he has to hit the head, uh, but it means the bow of the ship. So yes, hitting the head. Okay, number five is another listener-submitted question. Uh, and uh, thank you to Matthew Brown from New Jersey. And uh, Matthew actually wrote in a Bible question, which I know nothing about, so it was helpful for him to send this in. In the Bible, three people have names that start with the letter F. Can you name one of them? All right, I initially said maybe Francis, but I don't really have a lot of uh, confidence in that yeah, answer. I I don't remember but a I mean, single F if, name. If popes keep naming themselves, uh, you know, Francis. If you like Francis, we can go with Francis, Ken. Yeah, I think that's as good as we're going to get. Okay. And legality. Uh, Farquad would be fun, but uh, we don't think that works. Um, so we thought St. Francis of Assisi and Pope Francis, and maybe those originated from a biblical name. We went with Francis as well. All right. Well, unfortunately, uh, there are no doobie doobie doos in the Bible. So Francis was not one of them. Uh, he would come much later in Hoboken. Uh, but the answers are Felix, Festus, and Fortunatus. So those are the three F names in the Bible. Uh, Jeff actually came close with a joke answer saying Festivus. In all honesty, I thought it was Festivus at first and I had to do a double take. It was, it was not to be. Uh, well, thank you very much, Matthew, again, for sending in that question uh, in our lack of Bible knowledge. Yes, thank you. Number six. Uh, this one uh, took me a little while uh, to research, but uh, I tried to learn something, as I often do. Located in international waters and not owned by any specific country, despite several tries, this well-known world location sits closest to the Canadian territory of Nunavut, with Greenland coming in a near second. All right, Jeff and I had a little discussion, and uh, we're, we're good to lack in here. I'm thinking it's the island that Canada will plant their flag, and then Greenland will come in, up, take their flag and plant their flag, but they also trade in their uh, whiskey and whatnot. But I can't think of the name of that island. 
Yeah, whatever. And Drew has more thought on this than I certainly do. We're we're both gonna. Yeah, we we don't have a, a real guess here. Um, we're how about it's the island of Atlantis? That's our guess. All right, so we've got fans of uh, Jason Momoa over here. What about Zeniths? It's funny. I actually mentioned that island uh, exactly like that to Jeff as well. Um, but we didn't go with that. We went with the North Pole. All right. Uh, well, the North Pole is correct. So points to Zeniths. I believe the island you were talking about, Drew, was Hans Island, possibly. Uh, or Hans Gruber Island, as I like to call it. Do not plant your flag on my land. Um but uh, yeah, so Jeff, I did some research. You can correct me if I'm wrong. You know this more than I would, I'm sure. Uh, but I learned that technically there are two points that can be considered the North Pole, the North Magnetic Pole and the North Terrestrial Pole. So, yes, there's also the, uh, the geomag. Yeah, there's like the geomagnetic North Pole, which is where like the compass is actually aligned to. And then there would be the like the actual coordinate one. Yeah, that would be terrestrial. So, yep. Same thing with the South awesome. Pole. There's several different South Poles. And uh, if you are a marathoner, I did some research for 20000 American dollars. You can run a marathon on the North Pole, which sounds utterly terrifying and horrible. Uh, all right, uh, moving on to question seven. Poem titles, One Today, Praise Song for the Day, Of History and Hope, On the Pulse of Morning, and The Gift Outright, all have what specific event in common? That sounds like gibberish to me. We're locked in with a guess here. Yeah, no idea on this one. I, I mean, I haven't heard of any of those poems. Um, man, I, I have no idea, Jeff. Um, maybe like uh, like the Pearl Harbor attack or something like that. Dude, I have no idea. I will right, we'll say uh, Pearl Harbor. Okay, so we're uh, we're not certain about this. Uh, and my uncle is a poet, um, so he's gonna not be pleased that we don't know this or at least i don't know this i think it's something as mundane as just a sunrise um sounds something that would be an inspiration for many poems so we're going to go with sunrise all right unfortunately no points uh, to either team i just uh, but figured spe- it out neil did you what yeah, is those it? are poems read at inaugurations yeah that would be correct so they are all poems read at presidential inaugurations only three presidents have had poets read at their inaugurations. That would be uh, Obama, Clinton, Bill Clinton, and uh, John F. Kennedy. Uh, and just for the record, uh, in order that I read the poems uh, for Obama, it was Richard Blanco and Elizabeth Alexander. For Bill Clinton, Miller Williams and Maya Angelou, who wrote On the Pulse of Morning, which won her a Grammy. And the uh, last was Robert Frost, uh, who read for John F. Kennedy. Uh, number eight. We are recording today's episode on a Sunday, but if we were to follow these colorful laws, some activities might be restricted or banned, even including some restrictions for shopping or sale of certain items. Thankfully, it hasn't included podcasting that we know of. We're locked in. All right. The legal team locking in. No surprise there. Zeniths? Okay, Jeff. So I'm assuming this is referring to uh, laws that kind of restrict um, religiously what can be done on Sunday, right? And it's named after a color. The only thing I'm coming up with is like with alcohol, it's like a dry county, but yeah, I think it's something kind of like that. But I don't know when it, when it's a question like this, uh, purple always kind of stands out to me. So, okay, we can go with that. Okay. And legality. I don't know where the term originates, but I am pretty sure these are blue laws. 
and blue laws is correct. That's points to legality. Uh, Ken, I believe the purple laws we're thinking of take place in Minneapolis uh, when uh, visiting Prince locations. Uh, that's right. Uh, and uh, Ryan, I believe uh, blue laws from the research, or at least at one point, uh, they were called that because of the paper they were printed on was actually blue. That makes some sense. Okay. Uh, number nine. Running since 1933, the World Championship Finals of this competition are held each July at Derby Downs in Akron, Ohio, and it's definitely not a place for makeshift oratists. We're locked in here. This was written a, a while back. I didn't realize we'd have two people from Ohio on, but hopefully you guys will be able to figure it out. Picking up anything on this, Jeff? Get people to give speeches? Why would there be anything with speeches? Uh, Maybe... Derby? Derby? What, what kind of a Derby's a race or something, right? Yeah, I guess so. What about um, yodeling? No, I think it's a race. Makeshift speakers. Impromptu speakers. Yeah, I don't know. Right, we'll lock in with... Uh... The world champions of yodeling. Legality. So there's actually a great story about some people who uh, cheated in this particular competition using an electromagnetic uh, or an electromagnet in the front of their vehicle. Uh, it's uh, it's the All American Soapbox Car Derby in Akron. It is the Soapbox Derby. That is correct. So that was the makeshift oratist there, Jeff. That was a clue you almost got there. I mean, if you on if you soapbox, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Um, if you build your own derby cars, though, can't you put an electromagnet in it? Is it why, why does that break the rules? So the story with this person, as I remember it, was that they put an electromagnet in the nose of their car. And the starting gates, because it's all gravity down this hill, was a metal starting gate. So they would turn the electromagnet on when they started. And as the gate fell forward, it would pull the car and give them a, a head start uh, ahead of the competition. Um, so that was against the rules. Is it because you have to only use gra- the force of gravity? I think so. I think there's uh, no, you know, there's nothing mechanical, uh, you know, or powered allowed to be used. And otherwise, uh, just what a great idea! It was fantastic engineering, but apparently violated the rules. Uh, okay, that is really great, actually. Um, and one unknown fact about that race is while you're falling down the hill with gravity you also have to be screaming uh political stances at the same time uh okay uh the final question of round two of regulation aside from being a favorite of our very own ken author J.R.R. tolkien was clearly ahead of his time when he arguably birthed this now common five-letter term for a pre-adolescent period in chapter one of lord of the rings so we we use the term now um he, he used it for yeah, a different he invented the word he created a neologism, if you will. And if Neil creates a word, it's a neologism. That's right. Uh, Jeff, Jeff fact, just texted me something, and I think it's right. Yeah, Jeff didn't text us an answer, so uh, we're we're stuck. Um, how about, uh, I don't know, teeny, T-E-E-N-Y? Teeny, okay. Their answer was close to what we uh, came up with. Jeff, do you want to answer this? So I believe this is tween. And uh, tween is correct. So Tolkien was talking about hobbits in their 20s who were irresponsible. But uh, for us, it is uh, someone between 10 and 12 or 10 and uh, 9 and 12. Excuse me. So tween is correct. Almost got me to read Lord of the Rings, but just not quite. 
After regulation, the scores going into the final round are Zeniths with 150 and Legality with 165. So those are the points you have to work with to wager. And here are your final round categories. Succession, Billions, Lucifer, Endeavor, and Narcos. So take your time to come up with your wagers as they do that. Just wanted to give a shout out to all of our Patreon supporters, including Ryan and Drew, for supporting the show, especially during such a difficult time. Uh, We've been hit uh, by the pandemic uh, like so many others, and we appreciate all the support uh, that you've been pouring into us, whether it's messages, uh, new uh, sponsorship, uh, everything. Uh, We really appreciate it. If you'd like to join Ryan and Drew to get some perks such as stickers, posters, character boxes, uh, but most of all, 30 hours and more of uh, extra content on Patreon. You can join them at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. And uh, we would love to see you over there. And all of the wagers are locked in. This should be a great final round here. Uh, Team Zeniths are actually going 15s all the way down, just to make it easier for everyone listening. And Team Legality is going 20 all the way down. So it might come down to this final round. Let's see what happens. Question one in the category of succession. Signing into law the Presidential Succession Act, which placed the Speaker of the House second in line for the presidency, this Missouri-born president would have given the reins to Speaker Joseph W. Martin Jr. if something happened to him because at the time, he didn't even have a vice president. Number two, Billions. Showtime's program Billions, which Colleen and I have been binging lately, is a well-written dramatic prize fight between actors Damian Lewis and Paul Giamatti the latter of which has only once across his long career been nominated for an Academy Award for his performance in what film? Question number three, category of Lucifer. Along with IBM, the NSA named some of their earliest civilian block ciphers Lucifer, which were used in an experimental form of this, whose definition states is the place and study of techniques for secure communication in the presence of third parties called adversaries. Number four in the category of Endeavor. NASA's SpaceX Demo-2 mission was launched on May 30th, 2020, and docking at the International Space Station was Crew Dragon Endeavor, which housed two astronauts whose first names became an internet meme calling back to what two fictional Canadian brothers who first appeared in a comedy sketch called Great White North. And finally, in the category of Narcos. While the television series Narcos is set and filmed in Colombia, the country is more well-known for producing well-balanced coffee beans. Colombia's average annual coffee production of 11.5 million bags makes them the third total highest in the world after two other countries. Name either of those two other countries. All right, uh, they're going to go over these questions and we'll be back with our answers. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, 
shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. All answers have been locked in, so let's get uh, these uh, points doled out here. Number one uh, was in the category of succession. I was looking for a Missouri-born president who would have given the reins to Speaker Joseph W. Martin Jr. if something happened to him because he didn't have a vice president while signing into law the Presidential Succession Act. Uh, Let's start with uh, Zenith. You went 15 down the board. Jeff had a good thought on this one. Um, Picked a president that didn't have a vice at the time because he had succeeded somebody. Jeff? Uh, yeah, we think this is Harry S. Truman, and the S stands for S. And uh, legality. Uh, that's That was our answer as well, Harry S. Truman from Independence, Missouri. And Harry S. Truman is correct. Points across the board. Number two was in the category Billions. Uh, I was talking about watching the show Billions, and I said it was a dramatic prize fight between actors Damian Lewis and Paul Giamatti. And Paul Giamatti was only ever nominated for one Academy Award for his performance in what film? Zeniths? Now, I don't believe he was nominated for Shoot 'em Up. Um, he could have been nominated for Cinderella Man or American Splendor, but ultimately we settled with Sideways. Okay, and legality. Okay, so we had two films uh, that we thought of. Um, I think... If I remember right, Paul Giamatti was in Straight Outta Compton. He was also in Sideways, um, and we were between those two. We ultimately settled on Straight Outta Compton. All right, uh, both good guesses, um, and Sideways was kind of where I was hoping people would go, but uh, in the question, I led you with the clue prize fight. So the answer is Cinderella Man. Oh, I completely missed it. Uh, yeah, uh, it's crazy. Only Cinderella Man, and he's been in so many great movies. Uh, number three uh, was in the category of Lucifer. Uh, I asked, uh, along with IBM, the NSA named some of their earliest civilian block ciphers Lucifer. What type of secure communication uh, was I talking about, Zeniths? Yeah, we had no idea on this one, so we just had to say cybersecurity. All right, and uh, legality? Uh, we just did uh, cryptology. And cryptography or cryptology is correct. There you go, 20 points to legality. All right, number four was in the category of Endeavor. Uh, We were talking about the NASA SpaceX Demo-2 mission, and the two astronauts on that mission uh, shared uh, names with a comedic sketch called The Great White North, 
um, that were about Canadian brothers who also had a film adaptation about it as well. So I was looking for the name of the characters people were attributing them to in the internet memes. So let's start with Zeniths. So funny enough, my introduction to these two characters was from a terrible movie that I think my dad watched way back in the day called Strange Brew. Um, this is with Max von Sydow. This is uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie. And legality. Yeah. So we, um, you know, I first thought was Terrence and Philip, but then uh, realized that was not the way to go. And I remembered the McKenzie brothers, uh, but we could not come up with their first names to save our lives or to save our 20 points. Uh, and yeah, Jeff, uh, Jeff was correct. It was uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie and the astronauts on the mission were Douglas Hurley and Robert Bankin. But uh, yeah, we were looking for Bob and Doug McKenzie. Okay. Tell me Max von Sydow was in Strange Brew. It's great. <laughs> His career is, is, I mean, pretty crazy. It's all over the place. It's great. Yeah, he plays like this like evil brewer. It's uh, it's it's actually kind of genius. In how <laughs> all right, I might, I might need to see it now if, if Max von Sydow plays an evil brewer who, uh, Drew, who any, runs an organization on... that looks into future crime. Uh, yeah, and exactly. And Kylo Ren before he was Kylo Ren. <laughs> Drew, any comment on uh, evil brewers? No, our no. brewers are pretty good guys. Okay. If you did go evil, though, you have the great mustache and goatee yeah. to go with it. Yeah. All right. Uh, our final question of the game was in the category Narcos. Uh, I, I told you that the television series was set and filmed in Colombia, uh, the country known for producing 11.5 million bags of coffee, making them the third highest in the world. After what other two countries? And I just needed you to name either of them. Zenith? A similar question came up recently in my life, um, and I think Brazil was one of the pie producers. So we said Brazil. And legality. We also said Brazil. And uh, number three is Colombia, as I said. Number two is Vietnam, and number one is Brazil. So it's points to everyone. Uh, so it looks like Team Zeniths is just going to pick up 15 points after this final round, and Team Legality is just going to pick up 20 points. So Small increases in points, but still it keeps the scores uh, basically the same. So we have Team Zenith with 165 to end the game. And today's cream of the crop, Team Legality with 185 points. The cream of the crop! Great job, guys. Thank you. Thank well you very done. much. Yeah. Yeah, good job, guys. Congrats on the on the well-earned victory. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Any, uh, any final words, shout-outs, anything you'd like to uh, talk about, gentlemen? Um... Blanket statement, stay healthy, stay safe. Um, shout out to Terry and Julie. They're the local host of our trivia zone. Yeah, that's that's a good shout out. Uh, shout out to the rest of our team, uh, our pub trivia team, which includes uh, friends and family, including my wife, Jen. Um, and uh, we go under the name of Trebex Rejects uh, every other week. And um, thank you again to the three of you for hosting us. It was great having you. Thank you so much uh, for joining us and for your contributions on Patreon. Really appreciate it. Hard-fought game between two teams. Thank you for joining us. And uh, might I add, uh, maybe next time there is a pub trivia, you go by Trebek's Rejects, a Rob Zombie film, um, for a full name there. Uh, but as Ken said, we appreciate your Patreon support and for joining us today. Special thank you to Jeff and Ken for being here as always. And to Matt, hopefully he gets to find that grill he's looking for. Uh, my name is Neil, and that was Triviality.
which were an experimental form of this technique for securing. Secure, yep, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to keep that I in. I think Neil, uh, Neil were, just had a glitch. I think I did just have a glitch. 